This episode of Ruined Childhoods is brought to you by our friends at the Bandcamp Podcast. And that word band is not for the word band as it pertains to music, but instead it's homophone referring to band books. On each season of Bandcamp, hosts Dan and Jennifer read a band book cover to cover and have a witty discussion about why they were banned to begin with. Season 2 just wrapped up with its 18-episode exploration of Fahrenheit 451, and Season 3 is coming soon, featuring S.E. Hinton's The Outsiders. And wouldn't you know it, Season 1's focus was the Alabama-set classic To Kill a Mockingbird. I wonder if Atticus Finch ever defended any of Felony Melanie's ancestors in the courtroom. Hmm. So if you like the type of banter you hear on Ruined Childhoods and want a deep dive into the books that inspired pearl clutchings across the country, give Bandcamp a listen. That's B-A-N-N-E-D-C-A-M-P. Available wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Jack! You dumb, stubborn, redneck hick! The only reason you won't sign these papers is because I want you to! Wrong! The only reason I ain't signing is because you've turned into some toity toity Yankee bitch, and I'd like nothing better right now than to piss you off! <laughs> Re-re-reboot. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. This is Ruined Childhoods. Starting with this episode, we're traveling across America to explore every state in alphabetical order. First up is the Yellowbird State, Alabama, which has four official state slogans, Share the Wonder, Alabama the Beautiful, Where America Finds Its Voice, and of course, Sweet Home Alabama, which is more likely in honor of the 1974 song, penned by Leonard Skinner, and not for this episode's feature film of the same name. But first, let me introduce myself. I'm John, and joined as always by my big brother, Dan. Dan, have you ever been to Alabama? I have been to Alabama. Tell Uh, me about your experience in Alabama. And hey, let me throw in a roll tide here. (laughs) For uh, Team Crimson down there. Did you have to look that up? No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it, it was something that I knew from like peripheral uh, familiarity with college football. Also, I happened to listen to a few podcasts about professional wrestling. And as oh, our okay. regular listeners know, I'm a, I'm a aficionado, a fan uh, of professional wrestling. And uh, the podfather, as he's known, uh, the guy who kind of... The podfather. Yeah. He's from Alabama, Huntsville, Alabama. Alabama and uh, co-hosts all of these podcasts with all these wrestlers. He's like a billionaire, like basically mortgage like mogul there in Alabama, uh, Conrad Thompson. Okay. You know, they, they talk football often and he'll, he throws out a roll tide, uh, you know, whenever possible. Got so, it. So it's kind of baked into your psyche since you fr- listen to that. Yes, but I also I I was aware of that prior to. Got it. So yeah. so you have been to Alabama. What was your experience yeah. like in Alabama? In the was it the Yellowbird State? In the Yellowbird State, as yes. as you said, which I didn't know until you said it. It so is the state bird. I'm taking I'm taking your word for it. I did a little. I did a, just enough research to know that. Awesome. Well, as they say, bird is the word. Well, we're traveling across America. No, and I feel like it's, it's only appropriate I, to I acknowledge certain it. elements of each state. 
I we identity. all appreciate showing. I'm sure, especially if we have anyone listening in Alabama, they appreciate it. Before we begin discussing much more of this state, let alone any of the others, we are on stolen land. Go on, Dan. Understood. Understood. So my time in Alabama was brief. For a time, I was a professional actor and uh, did a theater tour throughout the Southeast, uh, a children's theater tour. And we had one show in Alabama. What? Only one in Alabama? Yeah, we. I think we only had one show in Alabama. I don't even remember if we stayed in Alabama because I think it was like right across the state line. And I remember it was something wonky because like our hotel was in a different time zone mm. than Ooh. the show. So because there's like a time zone change. What, so what state were you in? What state was in? Uh, I mean, just to kind of, you know, add some context, we're talking 21 years ago, 20, like more than 21 years <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah, that's true. So we were in, I want to say that our, sh- either our show was in or we stayed in a place called Smith Station, Alabama. Okay. And let me make up. Yes, that is a a place. You know, it's like there's, when you're remembering that far back, you're like, I remember this, but I don't remember. Am I making up details? Am I, is my mind inventing details? So let me see. It looks it looks like we were right over the border from. Uh, is that Georgia? Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, and I believe there is a time zone change. Uh, okay, you know, I believe correct, it. Correct me if I'm wrong. You know, these are the these are the things that you remember. So right there would be like uh, Columbus, Georgia, which is just around the Dinglewood, Georgia area, which is a place that I just found out about looking at a map. And which is which is the type of place I'm like that might have been on the. Uh, uh, on the board when they were trying to think of the name for uh, Pigeon Creek in Sweet Home Alabama, I bet. I believe there is a Pigeon Creek. Oh, is it not? I mean, it's it's entirely possible. I, I'm just looking at a map also. So where so Smith Station is also not too far from at least what from where I am on this map. Museum of Wonder Drive Through in Seal, Alabama. And I was th- I went through Alabama. Once because uh, on that same tour for Thanksgiving, rather than traveling back up to uh, New Jersey, where our our family is, Mm -hmm. uh, where, you know, bulk of our family is located. I spent that Thanksgiving with our grandmother in Florida. Oh, okay. I thought like, all right, well, I'm in the Southeast already. And there I was, uh, you know, 24 years old, uh, you know, just out like, you know, to be as a traveling uh, thespian. Yeah. And she was probably 80 at the time. She lived to be 103. Yeah. I went and spent Thanksgiving with with her and I just took a series of Greyhound buses oh, and okay. I made I made all of these connections um, there. And I'm trying to remember there was one and it might have been in Alabama, a bus station where I I spent like three hours waiting for my next bus. And it was like in the middle of the night. I just remember like sitting there like with my disc man, 
you know, like listening to music and like, I don't know, reading books or like, you know, I'm sure I had a journal with me. I, I don't, I don't recall if I had a, uh, like laptop with me at that point. I'd be surprised if you did. And the cell phone that I had was capable of making phone calls. Probably made that sound. Oh, it sure did. Anyway. And I actually, I want to say that Reese Witherspoon's cell phone made that sound in Sweet Home Alabama. Um, very apropos. I actually think that it did because I... Yeah, I think I clocked it and I was like, ooh, that is a sign of the times. That oh, yeah. Is 2002 well, right there. Yeah, it's very 2002. And so, of course, that's right, uh, you know, after I spent my time yeah. in Alabama. I'm I'm trying to remember if it was Montgomery where I might have spent time in the bus station. I remember I, or it might have been. Mo- it was Mobile. It was Mobile. Mobile. Yeah, cool. because my bus back. Oh, I had so to the, connect. So that's your mem- that's your big memory of Alabama is, is oh, waiting I, in the bus station. Because I remember we went through Biloxi at one point. So okay. yeah, because the bus because going back, I had to take the bus uh, from Delray Beach. I had to get to Shreveport, Louisiana. Which oh, okay. So going to Louisiana at this point is in. Oh yeah, yeah. Because that's where we picked back up, and uh, yeah, it was Shreveport, so the northeast corner of Louisiana. Well, we can we can talk more about that. I, uh, a B C D E G K L. So about halfway through this series. Well, I mean, like, look, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. The tour is gonna come up in other episodes, yeah. uh, whenever we're in that southeast region. But anyway, yeah. So Alabama, I didn't get, you know, much. Uh, so what I got from Alabama is a poor state. You know, it is, mm-hmm. you know, definitely it's affluent areas, but as a, it, it's a I'm big which, state, every state. Yeah. I mean, no, every state has it's, but just like, you know, also judging by, and this is again, like I said, 23, 20, you know, years ago, mm-hmm. road, like highway conditions, you know, road sure. conditions, yeah. you know, just, just kind of like, you know, things that, that, you would you would see and like you know most a lot of the areas that we were in were more rural so you know i guess that was kind of what we were also exposed more uh more to but that i mean that was i didn't get really uh time to spend in alabama like significantly yeah. and, and i imagine though that you know you mentioned huntsville before i imagine that huntsville is a very different vibe you know oh, you well, have the space program out there and yes. there's a there's there's just a different scene there yes yeah but yeah i mean but down here like where we're where you know where i was i i would say you know is more of the you know like florida pan like mobile is you know right outside the florida panhandle yeah yeah a lot of those more like you know gulf areas so yeah i i really can't say much about al i will have much more to say when we get to louisiana and, okay. and Mississippi and, and Texas, Georgia, Kentucky, spent some time in Kentucky on oh, okay. that one. And, uh, you know, Tennessee. So, 
Yeah, well, uh, just a quick mention, if anybody has any, if somebody's maybe from those states or any of the other states that we're going to mention, and you want to let us know about a particular movie that you feel is like core to the, you know, the the vibe of a particular state, you should email us ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. And if perhaps we are hemming and hawing between some movies for a particular state, uh, including D.C. and Puerto Rico, please let us know because maybe you could uh, tip the skills. Please. Yes. And and also, John, I guess we should probably uh, before we launch into it, especially because we're starting with Al- with Alabama. Yeah. Uh, some of these states have reputation, you know, kind of have reputations. And we know every every state has its, you know, dark side. It's it's dark history. As John said, we're on stolen land. So, yeah, there we go. We're kind of that's, you know, the original sin right there. You know, we're trying to kind of, I think, focus um, more on, you know, representing, you know, the, you know, the people, livelihoods. Um, and I mean, there are times it's inevitably going to come up, you know, things like ra- racism. Oh, not absolutely. just we're in gonna the talk, South, but yeah. yeah. And we're going to, and there's some things to talk about in this movie. But before we do that, I've got one more thing that I want to say about Confess Fletch, which is what we covered on our last episode. I, you know, we, we talked about a lot of the, the smaller roles, but one of them that I loved that made me laugh out loud during every line he spoke was Eugene Merman, who plays the security guard at the yacht club yes. that Kyle McLaughlin's character belongs yes. to. And from the beginning, right from the jump, you're just like, oh my God, this guy is a nothing character, but wow, is he bringing so much to it. And for anybody who isn't familiar, Eugene Merman you know, he's the voice of uh, the son on Bob's Burgers, whose name I'm blanking on right now. Uh, but he's also been a fixture in the alt comedy scene for, you know, over 20 years and is just so super funny. And right from the jump, he's well, he's letting cars in through the gate during an event that's at this yacht club and there's a barbecue and he's just like. Oh, well, save me some corn. I can't eat shellfish. Like his big thing is that he can't eat shell. He's allergic to shellfish. So right. he tries to yeah. mention to everybody so they know like, oh, save me, save me some potato salad because, you know, I can't have shellfish. <laughs> the way that he does it is so it's good so, every time. It, yes, yes. There's yes. no point to it. It's just funny. Eugene Merman and the way that that he's he's a slight he's like an exaggeration of like a real character is like somewhere well, there is a real security guard or it's doorman a, like, like a, a pardon the term but rent a cop and yeah. when the actual like police come he's trying to like talk shop with them oh yeah he's definitely just not up to their you know their level and uh oh it's it's no, but so he's funny. definitely like it, it it it's like a character that is tethered to reality and like it is possible that that in the midst of of this investigation this guy could be oh there just a just an interesting and it just character. adds to it when you yeah. when you know yeah right you could take that character out you just have a regular you know security person really the doesn't. flavor he adds to it though oh totally is delicious totally well you know it's like it's a it's a few things that make that movie stand out like Annie Momolo's character yeah. is another one that's like okay that's a bit much but also that's the movie it al- is also 
some of us know that person. <laughs> oh yeah, the oversharer, the one who's just like, I'm not going to speak ill of him, but <laughs> right. you know he's got a drinking problem. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, that kind of a thing. Yeah, so I good. mean, everything. The Kyle MacLachlan with the EDM, you know. So weird. But just these like little character elements that turn them into, uh, you know, cartoons a little bit. Yeah. But anyway. It's a fun movie. So I am so excited to talk about Sweet Home Alabama. Yes. Dan, have you seen this one before? This was my first time. It was my first time too. But when we were doing, you know, I think that it was actually this movie that kind of gave me the idea for this series. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I don't even remember how it came about exactly. I know it was just like couldn't sleep one night and it just kind of came about. But I really like the idea of doing this movie because we haven't really covered rom-coms. And uh, I think that there's some movies that we've done that could be considered rom-coms. Uh, the Apartment being one where it's like a proto rom-com. Right. It has the it has some elements of a rom-com. Yeah, but but I don't know if we've done anything that's been so traditional rom-com as this I, one. I, you, you know, um, as as we don't go into it, you know, and and I'm, you're going to give us a synopsis of Sweet Home yeah. Alabama, and I might peruse the uh, the archive here just uh, just to see, like, have we done any something? I'm like, well, Ghost. I'm like, well, not it's what not I would a call a rom-com. No, it has romance and comedy, but it is not yeah. a rom-com. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a a supernatural drama. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it, it doesn't qualify, but Sweet so Sweet Home Alabama could be our first rom-com, first true rom-com. Though um as, as we'll discuss, uh it, it does not shy away from, you know, getting a little, I don't know, unfluffy at at, at times. At moments. Well, I'm curious to know what you mean by that, but I'll do a quick synopsis. Well, Sweet Home Alabama, I'll start off uh, 2002, starring Reese Witherspoon, Josh Lucas, Patrick Dempsey, Melanie Carmichael, and I say Carmichael in quotes, is New York's hottest new fashion designer. And on the evening after her first big runway show, Melanie is proposed to by New York's most eligible bachelor, Andrew Hennings, son of New York mayor, Kate Hennings. The problem? Melanie's divorce to her hometown honey, Jake, hasn't been finalized. Melanie heads back to Alabama to get Jake to sign the papers, but while she's in town, she reconnects with her old friends and foes, gets real with her parents, and develops confusing feelings for her soon-to-be ex-husband. Back in New York, Andrew and Mayor Hennings work on planning a wedding that could also position both of their political futures. Also, we have Fred Ward and Mary Kay Place as uh, Reese Witherspoon's parents. Gene Smart as Stella, who's the local uh, roadhouse owner. And Jake's mom. Is it Jake's mom? I did yeah. not even clock that at all. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, they, they're really close with this lady. Okay. So then we have Ethan Embry as Bobby Ray, who is, I guess, as close as you could say she has to like a, like a friend there. Yeah. Because she definitely has a lot of people who are maybe quote unquote friends. That, like you know, people she went to high school with. Right. Such as Melanie Linsky's character, Marilyn Rice Cub's character. Uh, we, we also have Candace Bergen mm-hmm. as Patrick Dempsey's mom, the mayor of New York, uh, who I saw was listed as kind of like the movie's villain. And it's just like, she's not a villain. No. She's just kind of a salty lady who's politically minded. But I wouldn't say that she's a bad guy. 
Well, it's one of these where it's like, it's the fish out of water story where we end up kind of sympathizing, you know, more with the rural than the urban. Right. And I just want to mention, Courtney Gaines is the town sheriff Uh who she also grew up with. Yeah. So anyway, um, back to our question of have we done romantic comedy before Barefoot in the Park? Barefoot in the Park, yes. And I would say that I feel like that one and the apartment there kind of they kind of pre-exist romantic comedy because I feel like right. that one they they're together the whole time and it's really just a it's a story of you know battling through a difficult time early in marriage. Like we have not done while you were sleeping. And I think we should. To, but I that's, mean, just, that's just to kind of time. bring up a quintessential, you know, like when you say rom-com, you know, yeah. one of and, those. And that said, I mean, Reese Witherspoon is just a oh. rom-com fixture. Oh, do we have one? Well, w- uh, would the cutting edge, would that the be The cutting rom-com? edge, it's, I wouldn't call it a com. It's not a comedy. It's a romance. Yeah. It's a yeah. sports romance. No, I know. Yeah. It's not, we, we don't have anything that really falls into the traditional, which is why I love that we're doing this. What women want. What women want is a rom-com. I will okay. give it that. Okay. But even then it's got like that. There's the supernatural element to there it. There is a supernatural element, but you know what else has a supernatural element to it is uh, just like heaven with Reese Witherspoon and Mark Ruffalo. Oh, okay. In which she is, you know, the embodiment of her soul. <laughs> That's bonafide uh, haunting rom-com. Mark Ruffalo, which is a bona fide rom-com. Not that I've seen it, but I've bona fide Well, I, I watched sure. a couple of Reese Witherspoon films, rom-coms especially, to prepare. I did that one, and uh, I think it's called How Do You Know, the one with Owen Wilson and Jack Nicholson and oh, Paul that, Rudd. Was that a James L. Brooks joint? Probably. Okay. It's got I, James L. Brooks stink all over it. I think it was like, yeah, I, but I think it's like James L. Brooks is phoning it in like James L. Brooks, like, you know, needed to, I don't know, pay off the mortgage or something. So he called Jack Nicholson and, you know, signed up everyone else. Yes, that one is James L. Brooks. But it, it and I also did watch Legally Blonde, which I don't know if I'd characterize as a rom-com because there's the only romantic element to it is that we find out like in the credit sequence that she gets together with Luke Wilson's character. Right. But we don't see it on camera. It's not, that's not the point. No, but what, and what you are talking about, and I have not seen all of these movies, but Reese Witherspoon really does have a, a, like a star power, a quality. She's great. A lot of like one of the reviews, I think it was Roger Ebert's review. In fact, kind of compares her in Sweet Home Alabama to Doris Day and says like, this is, this is, it's that. And he's like, he's like, you know what? Yeah. It's formulaic. I'm kind of done with the formula, but like. Reese Witherspoon is charming. But if you're going to do it, do it with Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon, who, may I say, and it's one of my my big screen crushes of, really? the, uh, of the 90s. Yes. Uh, okay. While we're on that subject, and I was thinking about this a lot recent, recently, I only just realized this stronghold that Valeria Golino had on... Uh, me and uh, like heterosexual boys around my age being in comedies as the romantic, you know, lead. It's hot, hot shots, hot and big shots, top big peewee. top peewee. I mean, I not like I was a big Rain Man kid or anything. Well, no, but I know. I know. if I was, then certainly I would have been entranced by her. 
she was just positioned to just be like, oh yeah, and uh, you know, tween boys are gonna be all about this. Yeah. Anyway, Reese Witherspoon. But Reese Witherspoon is really fantastic. She's dynamic. She can do comedy. She can do drama. She also has like a ferocity to her. And 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 that gets into like as a producer, as just as somebody with pull and power in in Hollywood, which I mean, right now, as uh, the strikes are are ongoing, yeah, and um, SAG after and Writers Guild are all s- still on strike. One of the things that seems to be really kind of keep like powering these picket lines is that it's not just the day players. The stars yeah. are the stars are coming out. The stars are showing up. And I feel like Reese Witherspoon is someone and I was reading in a little bit of an interview with her where she talked about just kind of like how she was treated earlier mm-hmm. early in her career as a young female yeah. on sets and how she how she was like determined. She was like, I am going to get to the position where I can determine how people are treated on a set and I can advocate for people who don't have that position and and that power and she's fantastic i respect what she does like she's an advocate for for reading and you know also getting like a lot of those uh female powered stories on onto screens (laughs) dan are you a billy on the street fan uh, it's funny. I have, I've only seen like one episode okay. of it, but I'm a there's, Billy Eichner there's fan. This, so there's yes. this, there's this great Billy on the street moment where he's, you know, he's going around New York with his microphone and everything. And he goes up to people and he puts a microphone in somebody's face and goes, do you think that when Reese Witherspoon finishes a book, she slams it shut and says, done. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that's a, a perfect <laughs> visual of the vibe of Reese Witherspoon. Oh my and the, God. the way that he phrased it and acted it out is perfect. And if I was asked that question, I would take about five seconds and then go, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. With, without a doubt. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She she's great. She also uh is is really smart when selecting, you know books to option for movies and yes. uh, gives opportunities to some lesser knowns, which is, which is pretty cool. So Dan, I, uh, I watched the movie and I, uh, two times once with director commentary and, uh, um, what Andy Tennant is the director of this movie. Oh, who of, is of the proposal of so many, and this is a, this is a career rom-comist hitch fool's gold the bounty hunter he's ever after yeah uh fool's rush in he you know it takes two which you know oh he did fool's rush in fool's rush in oh that's a cute one yeah matthew perry salma hayek and so yeah andy Tennant, and i appreciated a few things that he said some of the things gave me a little pause but i assume that it was recorded not too long after the movie came out, I, you know, it was the, probably the initial DVD release. I think they they did like a 10, 10th anniversary. Oh, was like, this was not the 20th anniversary deluxe 4k. No, no. Last year they did not release a, a brand new thing. I thought they did but, an IMAX. Uh, no. Yeah. Right. Well, you haven't experienced lightning, uh, hitting Sweet home alibi max. No. Yeah. So uh, the way that he put it was really clever. And he said that, you know, for for this rom-com it's not necessarily 
you know, going after the one person or whatever. It's the choice between the great guy or the right guy. Because in this one, Patrick Dempsey plays an amazing dude. Mm-hmm. There are so many opportunities where he could not be an amazing dude. I mean, this is essentially New York's most eligible bachelor. He's kind of a JFK Jr. type. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, even down to the way that he looks. And he's being positioned. I mean, his mom wants him to run for president one day. He just loves this woman. And uh, he's great to her. And he's patient with her. And even when he finds out about Jake, the not even ex-husband, yeah, he kind of has a moment, but he says, you know what, it's okay. We'll figure this out. Well, even when he finds out that she's been lying to him oh, about that, that too, yeah. <laughs> right. And I didn't know if you were if you were well, like I'm building yeah, up yeah. to that. Her yeah, her last name is not Carmichael, it's Smooter, I believe. Smooter. Yeah. And she has this like criminal childhood past where she was known as Felony Melanie. Felony Melanie, yes. Very clever. And uh, yeah, and it's true. I mean, it it is. He's a great guy. There's nothing wrong with him. And it just so happens that Jake, for her, is the right guy. And he's also, I mean, he's not perfect. He's, okay, I should rephrase, I should rephrase that because it's not that he's not perfect. It's just that he's not the ideal that's set up at the beginning of the movie when we're in New York well, with Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. He's... Very Southern. He is a salt of the earth kind of guy who, you know, gets dirty and he's got a big old hound dog and, uh, you know, he's he's a little rough around well, the edges. Very, very like just rural Southern, you know, the the type of kind of like if you ever hear the uh, by the band, of course, Alabama, who we should mention. Sure. The song Mountain Music, uh, the okay. kind of like the childhood that's described in that song, you know, about like, you know, swimming in, in the lake and like playing stickball with, uh, you know, chestnuts or whatever. <laughs> I forget the exact lines of well, the song. I was not yeah. prepared to quote from it. But anyway, uh, when I when I was thinking about him, I'm like, yes, that's the kind of guy like that's his childhood which he i mean i would say if if well i think the impression that we're given of course then there's the swerve is that he's in this kind of like state of arrested development and sure you know hasn't you know little do we know he's yeah he's got some secrets that he doesn't know about he's got some irons in the fire yeah yeah so uh, it's i think that it's a really clever structure to leave us in a place where even until the very end, we're not really sure, even as an audience, like who we want her to be with. And that's not something that you typically see in a lot of these rom-coms because Patrick Dempsey's character, Andrew, is so great. Like, there's nothing wrong with him at all that we've seen. You know what? This His movie- mom sucks. Ah. <laughs> Yeah. She's just yeah, a lot. Kinda. She's a lot to handle. Yeah. And if, uh, as you said, Gene Smart's character is Jake's mom, which I totally didn't even like clock at all, then she rules. Right. She's Gene Smart. Right. She, yeah. Gene Smart doing those, you know, the, those, those mom roles. Uh, yeah. Um, I have a feeling we'll be discussing another one uh, when we get a little bit further down the alphabet. Ooh. Sorry. Going back to Sweet Home Alabama, what they do a really good job of is where as the audience 
you're going to be okay with whoever she chooses as long as the other one turn is okay. Like yeah. you don't want, which is, I he's, think why it's, he Jake's the better choice. <laughs> he's the better choice because when she picks Jake, when she, uh, I'm sorry, spoiler, blah, blah, blah. like when she picks <laughs> him and like, it turns out that she never signed the divorce papers. It's not just that he didn't, she never did. And instead of signing the divorce papers, she just knows that Andrew is not the guy for her and they're at their wedding and he's just like, it's okay. You do you. It's fine. And it just, it makes him an even better person (laughs) and you're you're just totally okay with, with what's going on because, you know, she has come to terms with like who she is. And, you know, she's been kind of putting on this mask of this New York fashion designer. And they even say at the beginning, like, uh, you, you know, we first kind of see her and she's they're doing this fashion show and she's kind of like fallen asleep at like a desk or whatever. And mm-hmm. she had been like talking in her sleep and they're just like, oh, your Southern accent comes out when you uh, when you're talking in your sleep. So she's been hiding her Southern accent during her day to day life. And so you know, to be back in Alabama and, you know, we see her, you know, her voice changes. It goes back into, you know, an Alabama accent and her clothing changes from like what she has designed to wearing more like what her friends back home are wearing. And it's, it's really cool. And I don't know. I there's a lot about this movie that I appreciated and then a few things that bumped me a little bit. But I understand this was, you know, came out in 2002 and our sensibilities are different. And also we are more aware now of the ways that we need to acknowledge certain aspects of life. Mm-hmm. I'll start with the more simple one, which is, you know, Ethan Embry's character, Bobby Ray, is gay. And I do feel like in these like kind of like early and mid 2000s, it was very in vogue to it, like this is where it started to be like, oh, we can have sloppy gay people like gay people don't always have to be, you know, the, the way that they've been shown Hollywood right. and mannequin. And so in this movie, we have two gay characters there's her one friend from new york the other fashion designer and then we also have i think that's um is that frederick uh yeah nathan lee graham and then uh, we also have ethan Embry's character bobby ray and uh frederick is flamboyant he's a new york fashion designer bobby ray is a good old southern boy from a wealthy family yep. with roots and history. Carmichael uh, family, where she yep. gets where she yes. takes her name. Exactly. I did appreciate that there was more than one gay character. What I didn't like is how at the very end they kind of give each other a glance where it's just like, oh, of course, like the only two gay characters have the hots for each other. I mean, it's just a look. It's one look. Look. Yeah, but yeah. no, no, no. I uh, yes, I understand that, and I and I and I agree with you. I can't think of any other examples, but yeah. it does seem to be a trope of that era. So tropey. Yeah, and there was, you know, she does out him to their friends, and when she's drunk, and it's such a I don't know a cheese ball line where it's like, don't you want to be at a gay bar? And then his people are just like, what will you do there? 
you know? And it's well, like, I mean, yeah. I think, you know, she's drunk. Well, yes. And she, I think that, I think that line is like that. It's set up. Totally. And I felt there that is mention of one other gay character. The woman that he went to prom with, who is implied oh. gay because she now plays softball or something like that. She's the, no, I, I think it's like the softball coach, like the girl. Which, by the way, yeah. in uh, whatever the Reese Witherspoon rom com I mentioned, the James L. Brooks one, she plays a softball player. Oh, okay. So, right. full know. circle. Yeah, I guess. I'm, is yeah. that IMDb trivia on on that movie, the James L. Brooks one? It's like in this movie, Reese Witherspoon no, plays that a softball is, player. Uh, just in... that is just me. All right. So what what else? <laughs> uh, so the the other thing also is uh, the way that the that Southern heritage is mm. depicted and celebrated. Mm. And the the quote from Andy Tennant from this, the director is, uh, you know, after having spent a whole lot of time in the South, people there have a tremendous pride about their culture and their heritage history. And that to not have it in the movie would sort of feel like a whitewash. And we decided to just sort of embrace it. And I get that. and And also the fact that they are, Republicans or conservative is, you know, kind of played for humor. It felt a little weird just in 2023 to have that joke and then to, you know, in like pro Confederacy in the name of heritage. Well, and as you said earlier, this commentary was most likely recorded in like the mid aughts where not and 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 where I'm going with this is not like, you know, it was okay then it isn't now. Yeah. Because first of all, then I, no one was considering, okay, well, how is every member of our audience going to react to this? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're not considering. And I mean, I this is also not the most diverse cast in the world. No, Frederick is maybe the only character of color. I, uh, like, of any like significance at least yeah so we'll start there. oh aside from the staff oh. at bobby ray's house oh well okay which right. is mm-hmm. on a plantation on a plantation yeah there we go so which that you know doesn't necessarily but anyway getting getting back to the the whole like confederate heritage thing this was at a time when you know we could just kind of roll our eyes just be like oh boy and before there were like you know tiki torch marches and right. jews will not replace us and we have new history that has changed old history Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And we have a much more awareness now of people, you know, coming out and saying like, you know, yeah, when I'm if I'm watching a movie, even if it's a comedy, if I see the stars and bars, you know, embroidered onto a pillow into the background, yeah. that's going to trigger some feelings for me. Because, yeah. you know, my family comes from slavery. Yeah. Those are the things that more of us think about now. Absolutely. And I I agree with you. It's uncomfortable in 2023 and not being someone who embraces Confederate heritage and, and also like, you know, being 
you know, very well aware of the the very dark, dangerous violence of white supremacy that that we've seen, um, yeah. especially in the last 10 years. It's not comfortable to watch. It's kind of like Trump in Home Alone 2. You just would <laughs> rather it wasn't there. You'd rather it wasn't there. Yeah, I I I understand from a early 2000s perspective why it's fun to have a you know a whole scene take place at a civil war reenactment and but I, it just plays different now clarifying question because this is not clarified on wikipedia aren't they reenacting like a notorious like blunder like confederate blunder isn't it's, that like it, the it twist seems so on it? it not, seems so yeah not not it's not that that makes it okay but i it, it kind of seems like they're observing the the blundering of the Confederacy, but still, yeah, they're yeah, wearing and, the uniforms and right. And certainly, there are ways to acknowledge those aspects of Southern life without making light of such a terrible war and it's such a right. terrible time in this country's history yes uh, that is rooted in so so many awful racist you know foundations unnecessary Un- unnecessary yeah. but I, that's I, that's I, what i have to say about that i uh you know yeah very very well felt the same way and i mean also noted especially from my time spent in the south that you know um, walking into a uh, a household where there there were these stars and bars hanging, uh, would not have been entirely unusual. But right. still, it's you know you're making this is it's this is not just staying in one person's living room. This is a movie yeah. that's yeah. going out globally. So yeah, a- anything else about it bother you? No, but the way that you said that makes me think that maybe there should be something else that bothers me. Oh, no, no. I was just wondering because I wanted to kind of get into some of the stuff that I, I feel, you know, maybe does set this one that did that did help it kind of exceed my expectations in certain areas, especially oh, yeah. for, for a rom-com. I think that the movie and again, maybe this is something that if it was being remade, maybe would be approached uh, slightly differently, but I don't think it's played for laughs. And that is that Melanie had been pregnant uh, and and miscarried uh, uh, as a teenager. And I think that added a lot. And, you know, I I don't know, maybe you listened to the commentary. I'd be curious to know how that came into the script, if this was something... So I don't remember it... I don't remember there being any explanation of how it found its way into the script, but there was a moment during the movie that I hadn't really considered uh, to play as heavily into the scene as it did. But there's this whole thing going on about how uh, she and Jake had this hound dog and it has since passed away when she left. She left the South to go to New York and she just kind of left her past completely behind. And uh, she goes to visit the pet cemetery where uh, the dog was buried. And she kind of has this monologue to this dog. 
And uh, what Andy Tennant was saying is like, yeah, she's talking to the dog, but what she's really talking about is to this baby that she miscarried. I didn't go back to like listen to it more closely, but I was like, oh, okay. I I get that. I feel like it didn't come across as clearly when watching the movie the first time as maybe it was intended to come across. I needed Andy Tennant to explain it to me. <laughs> right, right. Now, when you say it, it's like, uh, uh, like, and I'm, I, I don't remember the speech, but I'm just thinking about like just the tone of it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that, that well, makes sense. Yeah. But. It's like, oh yeah, that guess that would be kind of extreme to say to a dog, but yeah. right. You've got that. Another thing that I thought was a nice, and I, I don't like when rom-coms all of a sudden like just veer into like very serious territory, but mm-hmm. I do appreciate like kind of the, you know, dip into the, the pool of reality here. And um, Mary Kay Place's character, you know, I was just going to say Melanie's yeah. mother in like her attitude, because she's very dismissive towards Melanie the whole yeah. time when Melanie's back. And then it's like, she's like, no, I want you to get away from here. I don't yeah. want you to, she's like, and, and I don't know if, if she says like, I was happy for you that you didn't have yeah. the baby, but I, there's, there's that sense of like, it frightened me so much to see you getting trapped in this life. And there's so much more you could do yeah, that take because on she it. she herself wonders what what about my life would have been different, right? If, if I hadn't married Earl, and you know, who's fine? He's fine. I mean, other than I, the Confederacy thing, I think that Fred Ward is underutilized. Just knowing how great of an actor he is, I feel like. His character is a little too dopey and sleepy for what I know he's capable of. But I love you would have liked a little more grumpy, perhaps. Uh, just a little bit more depth to him. I think that he was uh, he was fine, and Mary Kay Place was excellent. Uh, yeah, you know, she is fantastic. Well, Fred Ward, it's like the same. It was like the same role he played in Big Business. Uh, oh, I don't know if I've seen Big Business. Oh, Big Business is great. And, and uh, so, somewhat similar um, in tone. Worth you know, when out. I think Fred Ward, well, the first thing that comes to mind is Gus Grissom, like the right stuff. I think of him as, you know, just being this stoic, like heroic guy. And that's what first comes to mind. And I feel like one of the defining character moments for him has to do with like this chair that's really whack. And I'm just like, come on, we could do better with Fred Ward. Come on. I mean, he's great. Uh, We already mentioned our problems with the Civil War reenactment. Right. But him riding up on a horse is great. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Look, Fred Ward didn't write it, you know. Uh, And he's, uh, by the way, if you've never seen, uh, if you like Fred Ward, you've never seen a film called Miami Blues. uh, Oh, yeah. Alec Baldwin. With Alec Baldwin, Jennifer Jason Leigh. Awesome. Yeah. Also with Fred Ward's character, and this is something about the commentary, you know, there have been times, Dan, on on this podcast where we talk about different commentaries where it's just like, I feel like the director thinks that they made a a choice that they actually didn't make, and it's for the best that they didn't make that choice, you know? And what I interpreted from the fact that they had never visited Melanie in New York and that he always had used having to work as an excuse. And when I say he, I mean Fred Ward's character. 
Andy Tennant says, oh yeah, he just always had, he was just busy and committed to his work. And at the end, when they're going to have something in New York, he says, all right, well, I, I guess I could take the time off of work. But I read all that completely as like, he is very staunchly Southern and to be in Yankee territory is terrifying and uncomfortable. And uh, it surprised me when Andy Tennant wasn't saying any of that. It was just all about him not wanting to miss work because he had such work ethic. I was like, no, it's better for him to just be so uncomfortable about being in an area where that's so unfamiliar and so uncomfortable to him. Not to mention, I mean, of all places, New York City. Yeah. I mean, home of the Yankees. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. So I thought that there were some uh, some interesting choices made. Clearly, we had some issues with, with some things here or there. But Dan, I want to know, what would you do if given the opportunity to bring this back? Wow. Okay. You know, I thought about a few things and I was like, well... Okay. And I didn't see anything about like any type of sequel that they were yeah. going to make, but the natural sequel that would have been, that would have like come out two years later, uh, of course would have followed them, you know, now as it's the fish out of water in reverse now with Jake in New York, but then it yeah. turns it's that, that just makes it crocodile Dundee. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. so I do think a musical. I, I, you know, it kind of naturally lends itself. A lot of romantic comedies, most rom coms, yeah. yeah, most rom coms kind of naturally lend themselves to the musical format. I also would be interested to see a remake in the context of another country. Oh, okay. So I was like, has this been remade? You know, Sweet Home, Sweet Home Mumbai. Yeah, well, uh, I feel that's well, too too urban. Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. I know this is why it, it should be remade in another country because this is very much, you know, this movie is very much American. Where well, I'm sure you can enjoy it. Yeah, uh, or it's it's the uh, the one person who came to America and uh, has to go back to just whatever countries. Maybe it's uh, Sweet Home. Karachi and it's starring Kumail Nanjiani and uh, you know he's the one that has to go back or something like that. Uh, you know, uh, it doesn't necessarily need to be like rural. In no, order no, to, no, 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 no. But but yeah, I. Uh, but I was just thinking, like having a remake that is like you know, okay, it's it's this story, but being told in Pakistan or yeah. South Korea or. I, I think that's a great idea and. You know, even though I, yeah, I haven't seen anything about any <laughs> other versions of it, but I wouldn't be surprised if this a similar story does exist. No, in another another country. Uh, the only other thing that I thought about would be like a sequel where Andrew's running for president, and then all of a sudden there's like a picture that comes out, and it's like him posing with Earl, like in his Confederate uniform. Oh. <laughs> and you know, of course, it's like now, so it's. Mm-mm. Yeah. No president for you. And Candace, you know, Candace Bergen's still still around, still working. So Henning's 2024. Uh maybe. Yeah. But that's not what I would want to see as much as I feel like there's one of the movies like, well, what women want was remade in uh Oh yeah. Was it was it Korea or China? I forget where, but it's kind of, it's a story that probably translates to other cultures. Sure. So yeah. let's make one or, let you know, everyone should make their own sweet home Alabama for whatever their 
<laughs> whatever it is for them. Well, anyway, John. And, yeah. Well, I would also say, like, I I feel like this movie may have been reverse engineered based on having a title, Sweet Home Alabama. Uh, because the the song comes in twice, once with Jewel singing. And uh it's it's a platform to use a popular song. Jewel, a native of the state that we'll be talking about in our next episode. Yeah, it's not it's not going to be a shock that we're talking about Alaska next. No, no. I, well, yes, <laughs> if you I if know. you can yes. do the alphabet, then then you can figure it out. Um, but Dan, I I could tell that you're going to ask me what my thoughts I, were. Yes, and, and Dan, yeah. let me tell you, in order for me to go into my into my thoughts, I want to first. Talk about a television show. What's up, Dan? I did not forget about yours. I was not segueing to our. Oh no, I didn't think so. I didn't think so. All right. So, anyways, so so years ago, I worked. So I used to be a reality television producer, and for a while, and this was uh, right around the time, like just after Hurricane Katrina, and there were a lot of tax incentives to film things in Louisiana, and. I know that Alabama and Louisiana are different, but Alabama comes into play, as do a lot of other southern states. I got kind of uh, pigeonholed a little bit into working on shows that were about life in the South. And uh, one of those shows is essentially the reality TV version of Sweet Home Alabama. Dan, do you remember a show I worked on called Redneck Rehab on CMT? Yes. Yes, I do. Let me play the audio from the promo. We're just beginning. Because I'm definitely a diva. Redneck Rehab, the show that's bringing rednecks back to their roots. For a city girl, she's not a bad shot. We have a little wild side to us. Wait till they see the pig, the whole pig, head and all. Redneck Rehab, all new episode. Hosted by me. Tom Arnold. Saturdays at 10, 9 central, only on CMT. Hey, Dr. Drew, kiss my So Redneck Rehab was a show where people who were, and I'm going to say this in quotes, city slickers, uh, people who used to live out in the country went off to live in a city. And uh, they lost touch with their, and I'm using their words, not mine so much, redneck roots. And uh, they have an intervention led by Tom Arnold in which their family uh, approaches them and says, we feel like since you moved away, you've changed who you are. You're a completely different person and you used to be this way and you used to hunt with us and used to fish with us and used to go camping and hiking, blah, blah, blah. blah. And now it seems like we only ever see you or hear from you around the holidays, blah, 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 blah. And then they have two days where they have some sort of activity. Maybe they go camping or something to try to bring them back to their redneck roots. And when I was watching Sweet Home Alabama, I was thinking this is a person who has left their redneck lifestyle to go off and be a city slicker and completely loses touch with their, you know, their upbringing, their background and their their family, their friends, their their core group from when they were younger tries to kind of give them a taste of that again. And and for in Sweet Home Alabama, it's like she acknowledges like this is who I am. Yeah. And I can't hide from that. Like I have to go with my heart and 
make the decisions that are right for me based on that. And it just made me think about this show. I did Redneck Rehab and Redneck Rehab. I believe it didn't even air an entire full season. I think that it got axed before I could finish everything. But of all of the shows I've worked on and I've worked on a lot, it was one of my favorites because it really had a heart to it. And there was an emotional core. And yes, there was stuff that I personally don't believe in, but that's not for me to, you know, that doesn't necessarily matter. It doesn't make it a bad show. And it's it's not uh, set up in such a way to exploit people or, or play the fact that they are from the country for comedy in a way that makes fun of them. Whereas they are being themselves and they're showing who they are and they're showing how much fun they have to do these things that people in cities would, you know, be probably too embarrassed to even attempt. And so, uh, and it's just all in their heads. Although I have to say, and this goes back to, um, you know, one of the big jokes uh, from this movie uh, that's in the trailer and it go and it shows how much times have changed because I feel like so much that would have been considered, you know, oh, you would never find that in the big city, yeah. has, you know, would now be trendy, you know, like going, uh, you know, going to a bar, sitting on like drinking out of mason jars. Oh, totally. And also having babies at bars. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Which, by the way, Melanie Linsky, I mean, she's been amazing always, but kind of uh, has been in these small role, was in these small roles for a while, but has really uh, come back in full force lately. And and I'm loving it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, she's great in this. But I always I laugh at that because at the time it, it. It was, yeah, redneck, but now, I mean, and I don't know if, if maybe there's some areas where, you know, and there, it's certainly not every bar that's like, you know, baby friendly, but, uh, a lot of places, a lot of establishments where you can go around here in Seattle, there's little play areas set up. Yeah. Same, uh, where you are there in, in Portland. Yeah, of course. Right. So, uh. I I do think that there's an there's an opportunity to bring us back redneck rehab and combine it maybe call it sweet home alabama maybe that's a maybe the name threw people off granted it was um I worked on another show with Tom Arnold called my big redneck vacation uh-huh. and uh that one was a successful one that came before so I think that they were just like oh well the redneck works so uh we'll go with that but Maybe that through people and there uh, were a bunch of there have been because I know, uh, you know, going back to my wrestling fanhood, my my favorite Stone Cold Steve Austin, I think, has hosted like a at least one like, you know, quote unquote redneck titled reality show. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I remember that. And uh, probably also for CMT, because I feel like they were probably promoting that at the same time they were We're filming this. down at the Broken Skull Ranch. Yeah. And uh, I, I do have one other clip I pulled because it's my oh. favorite line from Redneck Rehab. Yes. In the first episode, there's this, uh, it's, it's about these, it's really these two brothers that are at the core of it. And one of them, who is gay, moved to Evansville, Indiana, and is, you know... 
as he puts it, like high class society, like they start filming him with a ruse that it's like a lifestyle documentary show. That's how they get him involved. And uh, he does like Rocky Horror. And uh, one of his big claims to fame is that he was an extra in A League of Their Own. Um, So he does a lot with A League of Their Own stuff. But anyway, uh, and then his brother is a very country, likes to go uh, hunting and fishing and driving trucks through mud and, and things like that that you would typically think of. And I love this one moment where the... The more traditionally Southern brother, he and his and the family all one morning are up early and are already drunk and uh, they're out having a good time. It's fine. And uh, they wake up the uh, the more city slicker brother by like honking the truck's horn and everything. And then when the one guy comes out of his tent, the. The country brother says, Rise and sun, shun sun. Rise and sun, shun sign, which is my favorite drunk way of saying, Rise and shine, sunshine. Rise oh. and sun, shun sign. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Wow, you have to practice that. To, to I, well, I've been saying them. it for, well, I don't know, 15 years or yes, so. Yes, yes. And uh, there's a producer, uh, Michael Brownlee, a friend of mine uh, who also worked on the show, and we still text that to each other all the time. I sent up that sound clip earlier today. He's like, that should be an alarm clock. It's like only, only the two of us would want it. <laughs> that's, that's fabulous. Not nah, throw me on the list. And, and, you know, before we uh, close the book on this part of the discussion, I find it, I was like, where is Tom Arnold from? Because Iowa. yeah, he's from Iowa. <laughs> well, but yeah, he's, he, on the show, he opens sense. up a oh, he opens up a lot about his rural upbringing, his country yeah. roots, and no, he seems like yeah. someone who you know connects. Yeah, there, and I like Tom. Yeah, and then he went off to Hollywood and became a star, and da da da. He's in True Lies. He's best friends with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, you know. So, uh, Dan, I I'm really glad that we had an opportunity to to watch uh, Sweet Home Alabama and talk about it and do our, I, I would say our first rom-com in a really long time. Cause we did yeah. what women want pretty early on, which is surprising. <laughs> I suppose it is. so. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. so many things about that movie that are not what we tend to go for. Mel Gibson being <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah. I mean, really <laughs> mostly, I, mostly Mel Gibson. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, before we launch into what we're going to do for our Alaska episode, as I said earlier, email us, ruinedchildhoodspot at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about, you know, Alabama-centric movies, Sweet Home Alabama, or if you have something that you would love for us to talk about for a particular state, including Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico. And uh, like I said, there are some where we have a few options, so maybe you'll uh, you'll help us decide. So, Dan, do you want to let everyone know what we're going to be doing for Alaska? And it's unfortunately not Grizzly Man. No, yeah, for Alaska. No, we had some we had some good ones for Alaska, but uh, we were we were thinking like, well, what's what's a movie uh, type of movie we haven't uh, talked about in a while, and something that you know really captures maybe the cinematic spirit of of Alaska, and uh, that would be 1925's The Gold Rush. Yeah. With Charlie Chaplin. Charles Chaplin. Charles yeah, some Chaplin. of the some of the other ones that we were thinking were Insomnia, Mystery Alaska, Out Cold, uh, 30 Days of Night. But 
the gold rush is streaming and a lot of those other ones aren't. Right. And, yeah. and also it's like, I will absolutely talk about the gold rush and go back and revisit all that stuff because we've never talked about Charlie Chaplin before on the podcast. No. And I, uh, you know, as, as we'll discuss on the next episode, I, uh, you know, I'm a big, big fan. Went through a period where I was very, um, into into Chaplin, I was Chaplin for Halloween one year. That you you were. Um, I did Chaplin anyway. We'll we'll we're going to talk about it. Well, on the next to be episode. specific, I was the tramp. I wasn't just the the guy. Oh right, no, you were. You're like yes. It was when he was. Um, Although if I in, was dating a 16 year old, I would have been younger than her. No, no, no. That's true. Yeah, no, very no. You you would have had to been with a. I don't know, fetus. Um, <laughs> no, even that, not enough of a gap. Nope. I think you were like seven. No. Anyway, yeah. we're doing the gold rush. I'm excited. And uh, that's going to be Alaska. And we'll, and we'll take a couple of minutes and talk about some of those other Alaska movies because I have a great fondness for insomnia and, you know, yeah. and we'll talk about it. Yeah, well, Dan, well, as you uh, zip on down to the the deep country in your rented sob, I wish you a good journey. Good journey. Rise and sun, sunshine.